0: Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Good morning. Yes. I like that. I like that. Give it up one more time for Liberty University Worship Collective. Like, I can just feel those guys just pouring out, giving everything this morning. Something tells me they were here like super early, putting in work. Uh, to make sure that we had just a wonderful worship experience. It's beautiful. How is everybody this morning? You guys doing okay? We, sh- we shaking? All right, y'all are up. You know that we spring forward tonight. You know that, right? We're losing a whole hour, so 7 o'clock is going to feel like 6 o'clock. I'm not a morning person. Anybody here morning person? I know, it's going to be Jack. Does the loss of an hour of sleep affect you guys as badly as it? it? affects me. It messes me up for a good 10 days. I cannot get back to it. The routine is completely destroyed. And what a week. Remember when I told you guys I wasn't going to, I don't do cardio, right? I don't do cardio exercising. I just like to lift weights. Okay, so my doctor said, I have to start doing cardio, right? And my schedule is pretty wild. I got two kids, full time ministry. My wife works full time. Um, A lot of extracurriculars like swimming and dance. I have to dance with my daughter at this dance recital. It's it's my life. Anyway, um, so I was going to start working out and doing cardio early in the morning, like 5 a.m., right? No, we're springing forward. <laughs> That's going to take some time because that'll feel like 4 a.m. And I don't think I'm with that. I don't think I'm with that. Um, I love that I'm here with you this morning. It's, it's a privilege to be here. I want to give you an opportunity to ask me five questions about my life. I hope that you've been thinking about it. And here's the rule. It cannot be about my job right so no questions about why I love doing what I do for a living they got to be different questions it can be about my kids it can be about cuisine it could be about activities whatever where am I from where do you think I'm from take a guess yeah I'm from Maryland I'm from Maryland I'm from right here around the the uh Hartford County originally lived in Baltimore County Perry Hall uh, y'all know Perry Hall? Huh? All right. So I lived in Perry Hall for a bit. My dad was raised in Parkville. Um, yeah. Went to Falston High School. Anybody? No. Okay. <laughs> Go Cougars. The worst two years of my life. You in the back, bro. Max bench, Max bench. right now? Uh, it's pretty sad. 375. Pushing. Pushing. Well, actually, it was at... All right, so like last year's 395, right now it's sitting at probably 375, yeah. Deadlifts at 605, that's not bad. Yes, ma'am. How was my high school experience? It was very bipolar. Um, so I, when I went to a 4A high school for two years of high school in Faustin, it was horrible. I, I just couldn't fit in. It was horribly bad. But then I moved, my mom remarried, this guy moved us down south to the southernmost tip of North Carolina, southeasternmost tip, it's a little town called Southport, North Carolina, went to a two-way high school, and was like a big fish in a small pond over there, and it was a better experience, a much better experience, didn't have one enemy, fit in pretty well, Um, they kept calling me a Yankee, I don't know, kind of wore that like a badge, like y'all a bunch of redneck hicks down here going mud bogging I know some of y'all do that don't you? Mud bog you heard of that? take a jeep through some mud and hope it doesn't get stuck okay yes, you did I want to do yes, actually, I went to school initially for I'm not. This doesn't sound exciting, but hotel, motel, and restaurant management. I wanted to own my own restaurant, and um, I'm really into food. I'm a foodie to the core, so I wanted to do that. Yes, ma'am. I have very <sighs> very okay. Favorite food. Um, My favorite food is really, really... Not too profound, but really, really amazingly well done, like well prepared pizza, like just the best pizza. Um, I went to my favorite pizza is at a restaurant called Fico and it's in Amsterdam and they have the best pizza. Follow them on Instagram. They have the best pizza on earth, probably better than Italy. It's incredible. So, yes, the pizza. Last one. Yeah, you. What's your favorite, burger joint? favorite burger joint. My house. My house. Because I make the best burgers on earth. So follow me on Instagram. I am Luke Casagrande. You can message me and come over for dinner. I'll cook you a burger. Whenever you want. You, you come on over. We'll fit it in between cardio and bringing my kids to dance. All right, last one, last one, and then we're gonna talk about Jesus. <laughs> yes, I do. I have many. I have many, and they're very large. Um, I have one on the back of my calf, that is like my entire calf, uh, one down the side of my shin over here, my forearm, both biceps are pretty much covered. Um, Yeah, some before Christ, some at, what are they? (laughs) Oh my gosh, no, Um, one is a lion, I have a lion on this arm with like this red kind of like symbol around it and um, it just represents the completed work of Christ, the lion of Judah, Um, also kind of a marker for my ministry, like I just want to be bold, the scriptures say, um, the wicked flee when no one is chasing them, but the righteous are as bold as lions. And that's just the way I want to be represented in my ministry. Um, and then this arm is a cover-up tattoo because it used to be a goat head with, like, smoke coming out of its face. And when I was in the world before Jesus, I got that, and my friend thought it was so cool, he got it tattooed on his throat. He was like, "That is an awesome tattoo. Goats are awesome, plus satanic church. So, like, I'm going to put it up my jawline and everything. And, um, yeah, that was really scary. So I covered that up after I met Jesus uh, with, uh, it's a big raven, and it's a type of style called um, trash polka. And it says, consider the ravens on it. It's from a scripture um, where God's going to take, if God feeds them, how much more will he take care of you? And so, um, yeah, it's kind of like. A a redemptive story there, okay? (sighs) My wife hates my tattoos, so that's a discussion once a year. Um, Okay, so we are in this series for the next three sessions. So this one tonight and then tomorrow. And we're covering this idea of one family, right? One family, that God's intention for us since the beginning of time was that we would be one with each other in perfect relationship, perfect love, perfect harmony, perfect grace abounding between us in our lives and we would be in perfect relationship, nothing missing, nothing broken between us and God. That that relationship would be connected and it would be whole, there would be peace, it would be heaven on earth. That was God's intent. And whatever God gave to us, He deemed as good. God said, it is good. I created it. It's in line with my heart. It is good. And we talked about last night where when God said, I gave and I gave you good and perfect gifts, we also took those gifts for granted and we started going and chasing after our own pursuits because at some point in time, we say, hey, God, I know you gave me this good and perfect thing, but at some point, I'm going to determine that that's not good enough, so I'm going to look for the better thing, and that's going to fill my life. And where God is saying, hey, look, you got a void that you're trying to fill. You got a place in your heart that you're trying to fill, a place uh, where your desires are leading you to, because maybe there's some emptiness that exists, and I have what you need right now for you, but yet you are saying, I want the other things. And that's called sin. That's from the very beginning. They saw something that was pleasing to the eye and desirable to make one wise, And they took of it and they ate it. Even though God said, hey, look, you can have any of this. Free reign. Freedom. You have each other. You have me. This is freedom, man. Just don't touch that one thing. And yet, they went after it. Because they took it for granted the good that God had given them and said, this is not good enough. I want that thing. The other thing. We do it all the time in our lives. And so God, in this narrative of Uh, Hosea and Israel, God says, hey, look, I'm going to create this like illustration where I've been taking care of my people for a long time. I've been giving them good gifts. I delivered them out of slavery. I delivered them out of Egypt. I secured land for them. I secured their holy nation, their city, and I'm going to give them good gifts, kingdoms, power, glory, provision, wealth, It's it's going to be a really good life for them. But at some point, the Israelite people began turning their backs once again on God and turning their backs on the good and perfect gifts he had been giving them. And they started pursuing their own idea of what was good. And so they start sacrificing to false gods. They start creating false idols. They start living outside of God's will. They start taking advantage of one another. They're lying. They're cheating. They're stealing. Um, they're coveting. They're, they're um, cre- committing adultery. Like all of these crazy acts, they're acting outside of God's heart. And so God talks to this, this man of God, this prophet, right, who's supposed to be a voice for the Israelite people and speak on behalf of the Lord. And God says, hey, Hosea, I want you to give these people an illustration of our relationship right now, what this dynamic looks like. And so he says to Hosea, he says, go and marry a prostitute. Her name is Gomer. I just have to do that. Her name is Gomer. Go and marry a prostitute. Her name is Gomer. And I want you to love her and give her good gifts. I want you to be a good husband to Gomer. I want you to provide for her. I want you to protect her. I want you to honor her. I want you to cherish her. I want you to make a vow, a covenant with her, and I want you to uphold your end of the bargain. I want you to treat her right. And man, like I, that, that is a hard call. He's a man of God, and he has to marry this woman who's, who's living wild, y'all. Wild. And so he, God is like, well, yeah, but that's my relationship with my people. And yet I still want to give them good gifts. And so marry this woman and give her good gifts. Be a good man for her. And so that's what he does. You know, what's crazy is that this picture that we have is a beautiful picture. A woman who is kind of living this life depending on herself, losing her identity and value, and then here comes a man who's blessed by God, a man of integrity, a good man, and he goes to her, and he says, be mine, I want you to be mine, I want to give you good gifts, and he does, and for a season, they are married, and he does provide for her, he's he's honoring her, but then there, something happens, and this is where we pick up in Hosea chapter 2 verse 8, this is crazy, this is just like us, right? This is what God says. God says this to Hosea. He says, she doesn't realize it was I who gave her everything she has. The grain, the new wine, the olive oil. I even gave her silver and gold. But she gave all my gifts to Baal, which means false gods. It's just false gods, what they call the false god. You know, in this text, man, like God is saying... Or Hosea is saying, on behalf of God in this relationship, and that this is a physical manifestation of this spiritual relationship. And Hosea is saying this, like, it's wild. She doesn't realize it was I who gave her everything she has. Everything she has at this point, it comes from me. I gave her the grain. You know what that means? The grain. I made sure she was fed, dude. She she was nourished. I gave her grain. She had nourishment. She had sustenance. She didn't have to go out looking for food. Man, I had it for her. She was well-fed. I gave her new wine. New wine is is just a a sign of of, uh, wealth and prospering and celebration. So I gave her joy. I gave her uh, a, a life to be celebrated. I gave her new wine, the olive oil. You know, the olive oil represents an anointing. I gave her a covering. When when we talk about olive oil in, in the context of the Old Testament, the olive oil represents you're covered from head to toe. I gave her olive oil like this was good stuff. She was covered. She was covered by my name, by my protection, by my provision. She was covered. She was mine. I anointed her from head to foot. She was my bride. She belonged to me. So I gave her security. I even gave her silver and gold. Dude, that means that she didn't even have to worry about where her money was coming from. She had silver and gold? Like, Daniel got 20 bucks last night. This girl's getting silver and gold. That means she's provided for She doesn't have to worry about how she's going to pay her bills. She doesn't have to worry about where her paycheck's coming from. Hosea's got silver and gold. So she's got a, a, a relationship that, where she's well-nourished, She's filled, she's fed, she's sustained. She's got a relationship that she can celebrate where there's, there's new wine. It means God's doing something new. There's something fresh. There's something, uh, there's, there's flourishing here. It can be celebrated. I gave her olive oil, which means, dude, she's covered. She's secure in my love. She is mine. She's covered head to toe. That is my wife. There's freedom in that. And her bills are paid. Like in a contemporary context, ladies, a man who can do this might be a man that you might want to think about being with. Girl, he, he, he takes care of my meals. He, 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 hey, he's a lot of fun to be around. Um, he's, I'm covered. I'm secure in his love. And he pays my bills. Like that is not a bad setup for Gomer. It's not a bad setup. Like that's a hookup. Right. Nonetheless, I don't know what she's really bringing to the party at this point, but this dude's like, I'm crazy about you. All you got to do is show up. Girl, just show up. Be mine. Let me love you. And so they have this situation. You know what's crazy? It says in this text, but nonetheless, she took everything that I gave to her. And just gave it to somebody else. She gave it to other gods. You know what that's like? That's like being a man who's who's married to a woman, giving her all these things. And giving these good gifts. Wanting to be with her, wanting to honor her, cherish her. They're one, they're in covenant, whatever. And then she's just taking that and going on dates with other guys. That's like, that's exactly what's happening here between Gomer and Hosea. She's taken the things that he's given her and she's squandering it in other places, spending it on other people, other ventures, other decisions, other lusts, other men, other gods. For some reason, she can't be kept. She can't be blessed. She can't remain in proximity of this relationship and honoring the one who's given her good gifts. And so she returns. Which is the title of this session, you returned. God says, I gave, we were good, and then you returned. You returned to your old ways, your old temptations, your old relationships, your old lusts, your old habits, your old sin. You returned, and even when I gave you these good things, even though I called you mine, even though I was trying desperately to, to restore this relationship, you were good for a little bit, but yet you returned. They returned to their idols of worship that enslaved them in their history. It's ultimately what's going to happen to Gomer. Gomer is going to continue returning to those old relationships. Those old lusts, those old temptations, those old ways. She's going to continue to venture further and further outside of proximity of where Hosea is is staying. In the proximity of that relationship, she's venturing further and further off. And it ultimately ends up in a place of complete and utter slavery. She becomes enslaved. And what's crazy is that she was using the good gifts that she had been given And spent them and squandered them into a place. Made an investment in a place that she was not created for. And the very thing that she was investing in began to master her. That's our sin, y'all. We can become mastered. As we take the gifts God gave us, his grace, his breath, his life his plan, his purpose. And as we turn those plans, purposes, that grace, those gifts towards something else, we do not have to go very far to begin to be in a place where we may become enslaved, mastered by the sin we continue to turn toward. It's like I had this um, amazing dog growing up. His name was Bo. Bo was the bomb dude. He was a beautiful golden retriever any golden retriever fans out there they're the best dogs they're smart they're agile they're fun Bo was uh, he was like he was just given to us because the family couldn't take him with them where they were moving and he was just given to us and he was a um like American Kennel Club show dog he like was gorgeous like this dog was handsome all right like I don't say that about dogs this dog was handsome People were jealous of this dog. He had this, like, beautiful coat. It was long. It was flowing. He was athletic. He was obedient. He would do anything you say. Like, you tell him to go get something, he would get it, bring it back. We played this game called, like, I think it was called, like, drug dog or something. And me and my brother would be in the house. We'd be really bored. And we'd just hide something. We'd, like, hide a sock or a hat or a ball anywhere in the house, upstairs, downstairs. And then we'd just be like, Bo, go get the ball. And he would search the entire house looking for the ball. And then he would find it, bring it back, and we'd just be like, good dog. I don't, it was very entertaining. I know it sounds boring, but it was very entertaining. Bo was a dog who just loved to chase things. And we used to take these trips to the Bush River. We had a friend who had a um, house on the Bush River, and we'd go, and we'd fish, and we'd hang out. And Bo would like, he loved the water. And he also liked to chase things. So here's the thing. Bo would go swimming for a little while, but then he'd be on the shore, right, just like resting. And we'd, like, be petting him. But then all of a sudden, one of us kids would, like, find a stick, right, and we would just throw it way out into the river. And Bo would take off, man. As soon as he saw that stick, he would take off. This dog was a bullet. And so (laughs) he would take off. (laughs) Corona. He would take off into the river and he'd like swim after it and then go grab that stick and he'd have the stick in his mouth and he'd come all the way back to the shore. And when he'd come back to the shore, we'd be waiting with like another stick and we'd just like launch it as far as we possibly could so he dropped the stick that was in his mouth and he'd go even farther out into the bush river and go get that stick then he'd come back and he'd be like huh, huh, like swimming back and trying to like keep water from going down his throat and then we'd be waiting with like a ball and we'd like launch the ball as far as we could and Bo would like drop it we would go, go get the ball Bo and we like We were torturing this dog, dude. And we're all like, yo, look how far I can make this dog swim. And like, he's like going out there and he's dying, man. And then we like get a Frisbee. I'm not, because you bring all this stuff with you to like the Bush River, the shore and stuff. We play, we take a Frisbee, boom, and just like throw it out there. And Bo would drop the ball halfway coming back from the river and go all the way out. And he's dying, but he can't help it. He cannot help but chase that thing, man. And Bo, like, is getting, like, muddy because the Bush River is nasty. I would never choose that as a vacation spot for my kids. It is dirty and murky and gross, and the ground's all mushy at the bottom. It is not cute. So he's covered in, like, dirty, murky water, and his coat is filled with water, and it's heavy, and this dog's got to keep swimming back to shore. And we just start throwing stuff, right? And finally, he comes up on shore. And he's like, "Oh my gosh, please stop, please, please stop!" And he just like collapses on the shore, <laughs> and like my mom would be like, because she ain't seeing none of this. Um, she'd be like, "What's wrong with Bo?" And I'd be like, "I don't know. I think he's just tired, you know." <laughs> but, but he collapsed on the shore, man. And like it was kind of like he when he was done, because we kind of gave him the grace to like not throw anything else out there. But like he'd go over to like my mom because she took good care of him. And um, she would just, like, pet him, and he would just collapse right there. Man, you know what's crazy? Like, our sin life is like that. Like, if we're not careful and we're not paying attention, the enemy's just going to keep throwing things out in that river for us. And sometimes, man, we're, like, we're too dumb, for lack of a better word to discern whether or not that thing is really good for us. We just know it excites us. It catches our eye. And so we're going to go after it. And before we can even get back to the shore of, like, God's grace where rest and peace and all that stuff, good stuff exists, like, the enemy's just throwing another thing out there to keep us from returning back to where we belong. He's just constantly throwing stuff back. And guess what, guys? It gets heavy, man. It gets heavy, and it can weigh us down. And it can move us to a place of shame and guilt. And it can feel like we're drowning sometimes. I know what that feels like to be so weighed down by even like things like depression, anxiety, but also like guilt and shame. Like to be so weighed down that we don't even know how to get out of this dark, murky, heavy mess. And that enemy is just trying to keep us out there, man, keep us exhausted. Because he doesn't want to experience, the, he doesn't want us to experience those good gifts. He doesn't want us to have any rest. And and I feel like the enemy's like this kid who's like dancing around on the shore, who just can't wait to like throw another temptation out there to see how much further out we can get before we're in this great place of like exhaustion and desperation. And all we really need is like to get back to the person we belong to, where we can just lay down, get some rest and realize We didn't have to go after those things. We can rest on the shore of God's grace. And it's there for us. Like, you don't have to go far. It really is just a a step. You don't have to swim the whole chasm because He closed that gap. We'll talk about that tonight. But it's crazy because we forget about the good gifts that we have on the shore. We forget about that. We take that for granted. And even last night, we took some time to acquaint our heart with the goodness of God. We acknowledge that if we press pause and we just take a closer look at the things we take for granted, we can see that those things really and truly are a gift from God. He's given it to us. But even in the short time between last night and even this morning, some of us is still returned. Some of us have gone back in that short time between us acquainting our heart with the good gifts that God has for us and right now in this room, in this moment, some of us forgot and we returned. Somebody returned to gossip. Somebody returned to lies and deceit. Somebody returned to lust. Somebody returned to anger and curse somebody out, if not out loud in their heart. Somebody was frustrated and had ill thoughts towards somebody. Somebody returned to listen to something or watch something that is completely outside of God's heart for them. Like, we return. And sometimes it's as natural as the stick that caught my dog's eye that he just can't help but go after. It became second nature. Some of us returned. Some of us returned to believing the lies of the enemy that we're not good enough, we're not smart enough, we're not valuable We don't have what it takes. We're not lovable. Nobody will love us. We're not worth it. We're a mistake. Like, we return to those places, and it's natural, man. The enemy will throw that lie at you, too, and we chase that. And what's crazy is as basic as our sin seems when we forget about God in here at RVR around our church people, I just wonder how crazy our sin can get and just how far we can venture from God when we get back home behind closed doors, around the wrong people. It's easy to return. It's easy to go back out there. Just like it says in the text, she, or for our context, she and he doesn't realize it was I who gave it to them. It was I who gave them everything they have. They don't realize it. And yet they took it and they spent it. They squandered it. They went somewhere else. And now they're far from me. So, like I said, because Gomer returned to her old ways for a long period of time, There was a separation, a divorce. Do you know she even got pregnant and had kids out of wedlock? Like, it went that crazy. Like, she got crazy, left Hosea, went, got pregnant, had kids, and God told Hosea that they need to name those kids two things that um, in the Hebrew translate as not loved and not mine. Not my people and not loved. So if, if the name Gomer wasn't bad enough, now she has to name her kids not my people and not loved. When we take those gifts and we squander them somewhere else and we give ourselves the sin, you know, it births sin. It produces bad fruit. And God is literally saying, I don't want to have any part of that. What that's breeding, what that's leading to, what what that's setting in place for generations to come. Yes, your kids that are coming after you, what that is setting in place. I don't want anything to do with that. God ultimately redeems it. But in this time, he's saying the result of that sin is not loved by me and not mine. It doesn't belong to me. God redeems it. So she goes and she continues. And she, at this point, where we're going to pick up tonight, she is now owned by someone who wants to use her until it kills her for his own purposes. And that's the story. Because of sin, there's a fracture, a divorce between the God who loves us and man who forgets that. And at one time, we were free in a relationship with God, we became slaves to sin. We became mastered to sin, and if we're mastered by sin, it means that whatever is mastering us owns us, and I don't know about you, but if I own something and somebody else wants it, guess what they got to do? Pay for it. They got to purchase it. If you want it, you can have it, but it's going to cost you something. They have to pay a price to get it, and that's what happens in the story of Hosea later. And our story as well, even now. Can I pray for us? Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, I just thank you um, for this intense portion of Scripture. A story that doesn't pull any punches. <laughs> it doesn't even follow the rules. It's just reckless and crazy and powerful and hard-hitting. And it does represent us really accurately. You gave to us good gifts. We took it for granted and wanted to follow our own way. Because we thought you were holding out on us. Even though you've given us everything that we have. And yet we search for what could be missing or what we could be missing out on somewhere else. So Lord, I just ask you. to be with us in this wrestling match and that we would be open and honest and transparent in our small groups and that we would ask for prayer and that we would wrestle with you in this place where are we returning because we've forgotten that it is you who gives the good and perfect gifts we thank you that you don't leave us alone We thank you that you're with us always, even until the end of the age. And we thank you for your grace. Be with us, Lord, today. As we are in these small groups, but then as we have fun, eat good food, and live a little reckless. Because of the freedom that you've given us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Live After Camp episode.